Well, let me start off by saying this. Merry Christmas. So, so cool to have everybody here tonight. And uh, just so you know, uh, what we generally tend to do on Christmas Eve is we just get the whole family together and we spend our time because I... I think throughout the Christmas season, sometimes we forget Jesus, and we want to make sure that there's at least one little segment where Jesus is elevated and lifted up and that we get to truly praise and worship him. But let me explain to you where we're going tonight. So the other, the other month, so I guess it would have been a month and a half ago, I took my daughter to go see a USC football game. I'm a Colorado fan, begrudgingly, but now we got Dion, so things are better to happen. If you don't know, you don't know. Anyway, I did a poor job raising my child and she became a USC fan. That's not the point. But while we were there, we were coming towards the field and as we're walking towards the entrance where we were gonna go in, there was a guy with a sign that he was kind of attached to himself and he was preaching away and he was calling people to repent and his sign says, Jesus saves sinners. That's why Jesus came. And so I'm kind of walking by and, and my daughter, all of a sudden she looked at me and she said, was that the only reason Jesus came? And I looked back at her and I said, no, actually there's other reasons that Jesus came, but that's a really important one. And we stopped and we prayed for that particular guy. But what I want to do tonight is that question has kept coming back into my head over and over. Why did Jesus come? And so what we're gonna do is, is we've been kind of talking about this idea that Jesus came to fulfill the law in Matthew 5, 17. But if you look at it from the biblical standpoint, actually these are some of the reasons I found just looking over a little short period of time of all the reasons that Jesus came. But we're gonna look at it out of Romans 8 tonight, is we're gonna ask the question just over and over as we sing songs, why did Jesus come? I don't know if you caught it, right? There's that song, Oh Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining, right? It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. But one of the lines that I wanted to kind of just draw out as we kind of ask the question of why did Jesus come is this statement, long lay the world in sin and error pining. I'm gonna be real honest. I had no clue what pining was. I understand pine, I understand things like that, but I do not understand pining, so I had to go look it up. When it says people were pining, they were longing for a change. It's so interesting, like within the world in which I think we live in, everybody wants to have a change, don't they? You really see it, especially this last year with the election season, you know, change, change, we gotta change. But the interesting part was that the problem wasn't just in society. The real problem is this thing called sin that's in us. Now here's what Paul wrote, and this is what I mean. We're gonna answer this question, why did Jesus come? He said, by sending his own son, that being God, by God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning he's like us in that he was human, but he's not like us in that he, did, he didn't sin. He had no sin in him whatsoever. He sent this one, and I love this statement. Why did he come? He, come, he came to condemn sin in the flesh. Now, what does that mean? Now, of all the ways that Jesus Christ could have saved humanity, we kind of always try to wrestle through what he could have done this or he could have done that. But the only way to save humanity was that he had to become truly human. 
but he couldn't also not still be truly God. The debt against humanity was too great. The price was absolutely unovercomable. There was no possible way it could happen, but yet God in his grace sends his son who takes on flesh, comes and lives amongst us, and we know this, that he saved his people from their sins. That's exactly what the angel told Joseph and Mary. This is what this young one will do. He will save their people from their sins. Now, what's so cool about this is, is the way he did it is that he didn't just leave it there. In other words, God doesn't shuck and jibe with sin. He doesn't pretend like there's not evil in the world. But actually, it says in there, he canceled the record of debt in the book of Colossians that stood against this with all of its legal demands. In other words, the bill came due. For those of you that are kiddos, you know this. When you're sitting at the table and you're having dinner at a restaurant, the bill comes due. And if mom and dad don't have the money, well, they get rid of one of you. No, no, <laughs> Totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. But we have to pay it. Oh, yeah, which one? <laughs> oh, don't ask me that question. Not today, not over Christmas. But the bill is due. And here's the thing for humanity the bill always comes due on the debt that's held against us. But for those who have come by faith to Jesus Christ, to those ones, He has canceled the debt. I think what's so powerful about it, you see this in the next song that we're gonna sing here in just a little bit, but Jesus was born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, release us. Jesus Christ came into this world to condemn sin, to destroy sin, to get rid of it on the behalf of his people and all those who now come to Christ by faith, that thing that we know is wrong inside of us. I don't care who we are or where we're at. We know there's something not only wrong in society, we know there's something wrong with us. Here's the deal. Jesus paid the debt. Why did Jesus come? He came to pay the debt. You're going to say it with me. Ready? Especially all you kids. Why did Jesus come? He came to pay the debt. It says, born thy people to deliver. We talked about that. That when Jesus Christ came, he made the promise, or the angel made the promise that he would deliver his people from their sins. Born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring by thine own eternal spirit, rule in our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Now, the whole thing about that is, and this is what's important. Oftentimes, when we speak of the good news, we stop with what I just talked about. We think it's like, okay, well, you know, I, I, he's going to save me and that's the good thing and I'll just go live my own life. But actually, that's not the case. When God saves us, he doesn't just save us to just sit around. He saves us and he begins a remodeling project inside of us. See, in a very cool way, what happens, and this is what Paul talks about next. You see that little statement in order that? It comes right after this idea that he was going to condemn sin, but it wasn't just to condemn sin and go, all right, that's it. It was to condemn sin in order that the righteous requirement of the law, we've been talking about that as a church in Matthew 5, we, we kind of brought it out, might be fulfilled in us. 
The righteous requirement of the law that, that spoken about within Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36, the humanity had hard hearts, but yet God came in the person of Jesus, rescued us, and made a home for his Holy Spirit inside of us. And as he makes this home for the Holy Spirit inside of us, he begins to do the reclamation project. He begins to help them now no longer live according to the sinful flesh, which is the reason sin and why there's so much pining going on in the world. And instead now we can live according to the spirit. Now sometimes we just stop there and we think, okay, so what does that mean, a reclamation project? What are we being built into? Well, later on in verse 29, he says, for those whom he foreknew, I love that word. That word isn't just like God kind of saw something in the future. That word actually has a personal nature to it. He knew us. Somewhere in eternity past, he knew us. And he determined that he would now create a plan. That's what that predestined means. He was going to set in motion a plan. And now all of those who are the ones that come to Jesus by faith are going to be conformed into the image of his son. He's starting this project in each and every one of us that come to Christ by faith, not just to leave us here to kind of just float through life until he comes back again. He started this reclamation project in us because he's seeking to create little Jesuses. The greatest form of flattery is imitation. And he is shaping and molding God's people into these ones who look like Christ so that at the end of the day, you know who receives all the praise? All these little ones that look like Jesus, that's who receives the praise. But don't miss this. All those things that you know that are deep down inside of us that are wrong and aren't right, God intends to change that. That is good news. We don't have to just float through life being this group of people that just bide our time. Oh no. He's doing a work in us, in all of us that know King Jesus. He's changing us and making us new. And in fact, in Philippians 1, 6, it says, he who began a good work in it ain't gonna quit, except it doesn't say ain't. It doesn't say ain't in the Bible. Until the return of Christ Jesus. And so why did Jesus come? He came to shape and mold all these ones that would be his followers into his image so that we might create more worshipers to praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So he came to definitely cancel debt, but here's the second one. We're gonna say it together. I'll say it and then you're gonna say it with me. He came to create those in his image, all right? He came to create those in his image. Now we'll pull this all together, but those words, we are free in ways that we never should be, sweet release from the grip of these chains, all that is within me cries for you alone to be glorified. And I love that statement. It's, it's from the story of the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So we know that he came to condemn sin, to pay the debt. We talked about that. He came to be, so that we might be shaped into the image of his son. But there's another statement in Romans 8 that's really important. There's that word in order that. We're going to see a purpose again. But in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And here's the thing. Jesus came. He came to form a family. And not just a temporary family like we have here with our family, but a forever family. 
And what's so cool about this family is that it's not, our father isn't just anybody. See, all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. I don't know how many of you as little kids in the playground used to get in arguments about whose dad was tougher. But I remember one time my friend Zach, I was just convinced because my dad was a cowboy man that he could totally take out his dad. And we started getting into an argument pretty soon. We're in a fist fight. And I don't know if we ever resolved whose dad's tougher. But listen to me. The one who created all things, that spoke all things into existence, that knows all, sees all, has all powerful. If you are in Jesus Christ, if your debt has been paid, if you are being shaped and molded into the image of Jesus, you aren't just anybody. You are sons of the God Most High. He came to create a family. It says there, you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, I love this, Abba, Father. It's not as distant father, it's actually the father so much for that relational reality that he's, he's, there's intimacy in knowing him. God is not a God who stands far off and just spins things into existence, but Jesus showed that being God with us, he came, drew humanity to himself, brought them to the father so that we might experience family like God intended it from the very beginning with God as our very good father. And here's the other part we learned in this from that last verse. Jesus is our true big brother. Now again, When your dad is the father, the creator of the universe, when your big brother is the one who spoke all things into existence, that's a good family. But it's a family that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He is our dad. We are adored and we are loved beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And he's not just a temporary dad. I lost my dad a year and a half ago. He was a temporary father for a time. But oh my goodness, this father, he will neither leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us to the very end, through thick, through thin. And let me just say this, for so many of us that long for belonging in the way that God intended it, that are looking for that family, This is the family that we're intended for. But Jesus came to cancel debt. Jesus came to transform us into his image. But Jesus came to form a family. And all God's people said, amen. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. I don't know about you, but lately it hasn't felt very triumphant. In fact, I think when we look around the world, it feels so chaotic and disordered and everything's not in the place it should be. But see, when Jesus came, Mary was promised that this one that was to come would be a king of a forever kingdom that would have no end. They promised the shepherds that he would be the one that they had longed for that would now rule over them and it would be peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so though on one end, Paul says in Romans 8, look, we groan. We groan inwardly as we await eagerly for that final act in which the adoption of our sons comes place. 
But understand this, there will come a day when God's people will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. Why? Because our Father is unstoppable. What shall we say to these things? Oh, church, if God is for us, who can be against us? Answer, no one. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. No, we are something else. We are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And so therefore, I am sure if you're a follower of Jesus in here, if you're one who has had your debt canceled by the king, if you are one who is being shaped into the image of his son, if you are a part of the family that Jesus Christ came to redeem and bring in, I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so therefore, Merry Christmas. God bless you all, we'll see you.